0: Yeah. It is Thursday, December 5th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 14 preview podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, and it's an important time in the fantasy football schedule. Many of you are starting your playoffs this week. Others might be into round two or three already. Some of us are still fighting for seeds that play, for playoffs that start next week. If you've been listening to the free stuff on here all year and you want to get a little extra help, we want to let you in for free the rest of the way. All you need to do is rate our podcast in iTunes, leave us a review there. And we will give you DS insider access through the end of this season and the playoffs. Just email info at draftsharks.com. With a screenshot of your rating and your review in iTunes, we will get you set up with DS Insider Access the rest of the way. For now, Jared, though, let's get to a full Week 14 slate of obviously beyond the Thursday night game. But starting with Washington at Green Bay, I don't know if there are many less exciting places to start than that game where the Packers are 13-point favorites, but that's where we start.
1: Yeah I mean let's start with the Redskins because that should be quick. Um, Darius Geis obviously coming off the big week 13 game. I mean if you if you happen to use him last week I'm sure you you probably won your week because he was one of the top running backs on the week. I'm still nervous about using him though. He only played 30 percent of the snaps in that game. Um, Ten carries and three targets. It's a good matchup. You know the Packers uh, 28th in football outsiders run defense rankings but um, I mean, I just don't expect Washington to get much done in general. And when you can't count on a running back for more than, you know, 12 to 15 touches, I think it's it, it's a little risky to use guys this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, the matchup's good. Green Bay's allowing 4.9 yards per running back carry for the season. They've allowed the sixth most running back PPR points for the season. So there is upside. But if you are going to use guys, and if you did use him last week, it's going to be tough to bench him this week. But if you are going to use him, you have to know that along with upside comes plenty of downside because Geis has gone seven, 10 and 10 carries since he returned from injury. He has not carried more times than Adrian Peterson in any of the three games since he returned. So definitely upside, but you got to know the risk as well if you're using him.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely possible and it, the Redskins should look to start getting Geis more work going forward. But until we see that, I think it's risky. So, you know, Geis is definitely in the running back three flex mix. um, But I, I just wouldn't go benching any running back that we can rely on for, you know, 15 plus touches
0: for someone like Guys. I agree. And really the only other guy in Washington worth even talking about is Terry McLaurin. And he only has 14 catches in Dwayne Haskins four starts. Nearly half of his 26 targets in that span. 12 of them came in the single game against Detroit. So he has only topped three. Ca- I'm sorry. He's topped four catches one time since week threes, averaging 3.3 receptions per game over the past eight. Has not scored a touchdown since week six. Terry McLaurin's outside our top 50 this week.
1: Yeah, he's only finished as a top 37 wide receiver in two of those four Haskins starts. He hasn't finished better than 28th. So yeah. the, the upside we saw with Case Keenum has sort of gone away. And the Packers remain, I think, tougher against the pass than the run. So I
0: would try not to use McLaurin if I could help it. Yeah, still attractive long-term, but I don't think he's helping you this week. On the other side, you start all your main Packers. That includes Aaron Jones, but I do think Aaron Jones is riskier than his season total, and this matchup might point to. Aaron Jones is just 17th in the league in carries for the season, despite missing zero games. He has not topped 13 carries in a game since week five. He has had three games of 150-plus total yards, throw in the three-touchdown game against the Panthers, and those four contests account for 64% of his PPR points for the season. Just the Dallas and Kansas City games alone account for 41% of his scoring for the season. Otherwise, his other eight games outside of those four, he's averaged 10 points per game. That would rank 41st among running backs right now, tied with Ronald Jones.
1: Yeah, and we highlighted in the last buy-sell-hold report that you know Jones was in for some serious touchdown regression, and that's definitely hit over the past few weeks. I still like him in this spot, though. You have the Packers... Big home favorites, big implied total. You know, Washington maybe, I think at best, a middling run defense. And, and the Redskins have faced the second most running back carries this season, which is not a surprise considering they're losing pretty much every game they play in. So I do think it's a spot where, you know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who I think has also been play as a running back three, maybe even, you know, a borderline running back two. I think both those guys should be good bets for double digit carries here.
0: Yeah, I think they are both in play. As I said, I'm still starting Aaron Jones. I, I don't think there's a huge difference, though, between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, really.
1: No, I mean, there hasn't been lately. Um, you know, Jones is still averaging about three more carries per game since Williams came back from his injury. Um, Williams has been a bit more involved in the passing game. So, yeah, there's probably not a huge gap between them again. I think I think Jamal Williams... I would play Jamal Williams over Darius Geis if you're just you know picking between those two guys in this game.
0: I agree with that. Uh, I would play... Over Aaron Jones, I would play Sonny Michelle, Saquon Barkley. Sony Michelle in non-PPR. I'd play yep. Aaron Jones in PPR. Um, I would play Saquon Barkley over Aaron Jones, although that one's pretty close. I would play Kirk Carson, and I would play Devontae Freeman over Aaron Jones.
1: I mean, they're all close. Um, yeah, Michelle, we'll talk about him. I love him this week, but I'm not sure I could play him over Jones just because there is you know some chance that Michelle gets game scripted out. I think Jones
0: is safer. And I would play Aaron Jones over... Philip Lindsay, Austin Eckler, Benny Snell, Kenyon Drake, just for further context. Yeah, me too. Pretty easily over all those guys. And I don't think there's any better team defense this week than the Packers at home against Dwayne Haskins. Uh, nope. I don't think so either. Indy at Tampa is next on the list. The Bucks are three-point favorites at home. It's down a half point from where it opened. The Colts turned the ball over only seven times in their first seven games. Over the past five, they've done so 11 times. Uh, Jacoby Brissett left the first of those five games. He missed the second. But then he came back for two giveaways against Jacksonville, three against the Titans last week. Uh, the team has eight games of less than 200 yards passing for the season, including five of the past six. It scored 17 points in two straight games, and 17 or fewer in four of the past six. The only win among the past five games was a run-heavy effort against Jacksonville. Uh, this is not a this is not a good-looking mm-hmm. Colts offense this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, the injuries have just caught up to Indy here. You know, T.Y. Hilton is still going to be out for this game. It sounds like there's a chance he doesn't come back at all this season. Eric Ebron on IR, um, you know, Chester Rogers on IR now. They're not going to get Devin Funches back. So I think the interesting guy here is Zach Pascal. 109 yards on 10 targets last week. That was nice to see because he had been quiet over the previous three games, just uh, four catches on 14 total targets in those three games. But he's been playing basically every snap with Hilton out. Uh, Pascal actually ran a route on every single one of Jacoby Brissett's dropbacks last week. So in this matchup against Tampa, they're still dead last and adjusted fantasy points to wide receivers. I think Pascal, someone you can look to as a wide receiver three with some
0: upside this week. Yeah, I agree with that. Zach Pascal's in play. Jack Doyle's basically an automatic starter yeah. this week. I think, on the other side, Tampa Bay might be your sneakiest upside defense of the week, though. It's been trending up in coverage over the second half of the season to date. And, you know, we looked at the Atlanta defense, what it did coming out of the bye, and wondered if things had actually changed or if it was just a fluke. And the past two weeks have made it look like a fluke. But... The difference here is there are there are things that you can point to that have changed in Tampa Bay. They've changed their alignment at cornerback. They have different a different trio starting at that position, and they should get Jamel Dean back uh, from the shoulder injury that knocked him out of last week's game. Jason Pierre-Paul and Carl Nassib are both healthy as edge rushers, joining Shaq Barrett. So they've got a strong pass rush. They've got strong interior guys there, and they've been playing well the past three games. The Bucs held the Saints to 219 yards passing, the Falcons to 280, uh, the Jaguars to 193. They have eight takeaways in their past four games, uh, it, despite not taking any away from the Saints within that four-game stretch. I think this is a defense that is legitimately trending upward and is a strong play this week.
1: I mean, as a fantasy defense, I think there are quite a few better spot start options this week, so I, I'm not considering the Bucks. Um, defense and fantasy. I, I buy that they're improved. You know, I think it's probably not a I don't know bottom three pass defense anymore. I still think it's probably bottom half of the league, though. I think that fact plus the fact that again we talked about all those injuries. I think that knocks Jacoby Brissett out of spots there consideration for me. Even though you yeah, if you look at the on paper numbers, and it looks like it's a great matchup, but I, I think it's not as good a spot
0: as it might look like. Uh, you know, just at first glance. I think it's a wonderful spot. The Colts have been turning the ball over lately. The Colts have been taking more sacks lately. The Bucs have been playing better lately. And even beyond the traditional numbers, if you look at pro football focus ratings, the, their grades say that the Bucks are playing better in key areas in recent weeks. I think I, I think this is a good play this week, and I think that they will pl- perform on, in a way this week that makes the Bucks an option next week at Detroit as well.
1: We'll see if they play well again this week. I'll consider them against
0: Detroit, but again, I think I think this week there there are plenty of better options. The Bucks' offense looks the same as always. You start Jameis Winston, you start start his top two wideouts. It's frustrating that he didn't throw any touchdown passes at Jacksonville, but we knew it was a lopsided matchup in favor of the run. We got two Peyton Barber touchdowns on the ground. The only other game this season where Jameis Winston threw as few red zone passing attempts as he did this past Sunday was back in week two when we also had a big Peyton Barber game against the Panthers.
1: Yeah, and then you had Nick Foles turned the ball over a few times early in that game. The the game just sort of the, the game script got away from Jameis Winston. So not worried about him at all. I think he's still a locked in quarterback one. Um you're starting the wide receivers and the, the backfield you're just completely avoiding because we just you know have no idea who's gonna get the work or and you know who who's gonna have any production and likely there's not gonna be much
0: production to go around anyways. Yeah, and the thing here is that last week Ronald Jones got benched because he missed up missed a blitz pickup. So even if we go into the game with Bruce Arians saying Ronald Jones is still our lead guy, I mean, if he makes one bad play in that game, we could get the same thing that we got. Or maybe we have it the other way with Peyton Barber making the mistake. Yep, exactly. Just stay away. San Francisco at New Orleans in a game that – it's probably more exciting for real football purposes than it will be for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Saints are two and a half point home favorites. The over-under is just 44 and a half though, between a pair of, of playoff teams and, you know, maybe even uh, two teams that are fighting for the top seed in the conference. The defenses rank first and seventh in overall defensive DVOA on football outsiders. Saints are top nine ver- versus both the pass and the rush. Niners are tops in the league against the pass, 14th against the run.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't expect many points in this game. I wouldn't go looking to this game for, you know, fringe options. I think that the biggest story on the San Francisco side is the backfield. I mean, we had Raheem Mostert just kind of out of nowhere emerge as uh, San Francisco's lead ball carrier last week in that game against Baltimore, played 74% of the snaps to just 18 for Tevin Coleman. I'd feel a bit more comfortable with Raheem Mostert if Matt Breda remains out this week, but it sounds like is gonna be back for this game. And you know, that, that gives the Niners three options. So I honestly have no idea how the workload's gonna be split in this backfield. And it's a tough matchup against the Saints run defense. So I you know there's upside. I think one of those running backs will probably have have a nice game, but I, I don't know which one it is, so I would try to avoid the situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes it easier to avoid it when they are facing a negative matchup for running back scoring anyway. So I totally agree. Maybe in DFS you take your shot with yeah. one of these guys, but there's just no way for us to say this guy is for sure the guy, especially in a backfield where they want to split it. The Niners don't want to lean on one guy, and they were leaning toward Matt Breida over Tevin Coleman before Breida had the ankle sprain and you know left room for Raheem Mostert to step up. I think, I agree with you for this week. I don't really want to use any of them because it's tough to trust. I think they are all in play if you're reaching. And I think maybe the biggest um, development here overall is that the Niners seem to be realizing that they had Tevin Coleman overrated heading into this season.
1: Right, I mean, Coleman had already been seeing his workload slash before last week you know he was only getting eight to 12 carries per game and if you look at you know if you look at yards per carry um pff rushing grade elusive rating tevin coleman's behind both mostert and matt Breda and all those metrics so you know by by most accounts coleman's been the worst back among these three um so i wouldn't be surprised especially with Breda healthy again now if um you know coleman sort of fades and and isn't really a fantasy option the rest of the way
0: Yeah, it's frustrating for those of us who might have picked up Tevin Coleman in the middle of the season and and thought that we had somebody who was a solid option the rest of the way. But at the same time, it is kind of refreshing to see a team say, yeah, Mm -hmm. I know we paid for this guy in the offseason, but Matt Breida is playing better. Raheem Mostert's playing better. We're going to give the ball to these guys. Yep. And on defense, if you didn't find a replacement for the Niners last week against the Ravens, you should try to again. The good news this time is if you are looking for that fill-in, for this week, as the Niners go up against the Saints, it should just be for one game here because mm-hmm. next week they're back home against the Falcons and then home against the Rams after that. I think the Niners are, are going to be probably a top five defense in our rankings each of those weeks. Right.
1: Yeah. This is the time of year to roster two defenses and, and sort of look ahead and make sure you have a solid option for each of the remaining weeks here. Good place to pick up the Bucs. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I don't even know if I'd play the Bucks over the Niners this week. I would. <laughs>
0: I know. Carolina at Atlanta the Falcons are three point home favorites that's up a half point from where it began over under 47 I'm gonna go ahead and bet Jared that this game does not quite go as it did last time
1: um yeah probably not um I think you know we've seen the Falcons defense isn't anything like it showed in that game uh against the Panthers early this season four picks of Kyle Allen um I think the interesting thing on the panther side is the firing of Ron Rivera this week, and if that means anything, I um, mean, you're going to have uh, Perry Fuel take over as interim head coach. North Turner, who was OC, is moving into an assistant role, and North Turner's son is going to take over as OC. I I doubt we see anything significant as far as you know play calling changes or usage changes, but it'll at least be something to monitor this week.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting to see afterward. It's not changing my outlook for anything here. Kyle Allen was awful in that game. Mm -hmm. He had an awful game at San Francisco back in Week 8. Those are really his only two basement games, though. Outside of those, he's averaging QB 16 numbers. So he's been decent, and he's been a floor play for most of the season. He still got into double-digit fantasy points with 325 passing yards in that four-pick game against the Falcons. He finished the past two weeks QB 6 and QB 8. I think Kyle Allen's a better bet this week than where we have him ranked, even. <sighs> to me, he's only a, a playing two quarterback leagues. I wouldn't trust him as a quarterback
1: one spot starter. He he did not play well last week. I know he got there in fantasy. He had the late rushing touchdown, which helped. But you know, he, he completed fifty nine percent of his passes, averaged 6.0 yards per attempt against the Redskins. You know, so I, even in this in the plus matchup, I, I wouldn't want to trust him again. I think there are plenty of better one quarterback lead spot, spot start options this
0: week. Yeah, I agree that there are plenty of better ones. I think he's more so a DFS option, but I'd probably have him up around 18-17 or so. That's fair. DJ Moore is an obvious starter. Curtis Samuel is okay. He's a low wide receiver three. Still a touchdown reliant four catch guy.
1: Yeah, Samuel's boom bust. Um, Greg Olson is likely going to miss this game with his concussion. He didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday, so that turns Ian Thomas into a spot start option this week. Um, he, He produced pretty well in the games Olson missed Last season, 3.9 catches, 35 and a half yards per game in those nine games. And then he came in last week um, after Olsen exited in the third quarter. Thomas caught four balls for 24 yards um, in the remaining, you know, one and a half quarters in that game. Um, So I I think, you know, he's a guy you can count on for, you know, probably five, six targets in this spot. So he's he's an option.
0: Yeah, it's a little too late in the year for me to use that, though, unless I need it. I would definitely rather start Tyler Higbee over him. Uh, Kyler Rudolph would be a pretty easy start over him as well.
1: Yeah. um, Higby, uh, Ryan Griffin, I think
0: even Jacob Hollister's uh, had of Ian Thomas right now in our rankings. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the Falcons side, you start the obvious guys. That includes Austin Hooper if he's back for this game.
1: Yep, sounds like Cooper is going to be back. You know, he was leading all tight ends in PPR and non PPR PPR points before going down. Um, Panthers twenty seventh in football outsiders tight end coverage, so good spot for Hooper. Julio Jones sounds like he's going to be back for this game too. So he's obviously a starter, and I think that does help Matt Ryan to get those guys back. He has struggled, um, but I think missing Hooper, missing Julio Jones for last week, you know that that's hurt. So I, I think Ryan is like a low end quarterback one play this week.
0: Yeah, I would put him in high QB2 range. I would rather play, I, I I don't know, I'd have a tough time choosing between Matt Ryan and Ryan Fitzpatrick.
1: Yeah, I, I figured that was a name you were going to throw out. Um, I'd I'd play Matt Ryan there.
0: I, I can't say that I'm leaning <laughs> strongly either way, so I, I don't know, I guess I would probably play one that's already on my roster right now yeah I think that we well I guess before we get away from the pass catchers I think the returns of those healthy guys makes Russell Gage not so much of an option this week what about you yep yeah I agree I think he's sort of out of the mix not with Hooper back Devontae Freeman I think we both agree as a starter but I would have him significantly higher he got 22 opportunities last week in his return from injury it tied his season high now he gets the Carolina matchup that just boosted the entire Washington run game it's it's the top scoring matchup for running backs in the league on the season, adding a 25% boost to running back scoring overall, according to our adjusted fantasy points allowed. This is what we wanted Brian Hill to be back in that first meeting. Only mm-hmm. Devontae Freeman is a much more accomplished player, and we know that the work is going his way.
1: He's more accomplished. I I I don't know how much better of a running back Freeman is right now than Brian Hill. I just I, I don't have I haven't been impressed with him all season, and I haven't been impressed with this Falcons running game all season. So I, I guess that's my concern. It's 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 a bad running offense versus a, versus a bad running defense. So I do think Freeman gets a boost in the matchup. I, I just you know I don't expect him to have a top ten week. I just I don't think he has that in him this season.
0: I think the top, I think there's a top ten ceiling. I would rank him right around. 14-13 in the rankings because I know because I can count on the workload and I do think that the upside is there
1: yeah and and we agree he, he's a good start in season long and he's definitely someone
0: I'll be considering in DFS this week and I'm not chasing either defense in this matchup nope Detroit at Minnesota the Vikings are 13 point home favorite for 43 and a half over under David Blau was nice on Thanksgiving it was a neat little surprise I'm not betting on him at Minnesota
1: no, I mean, I think the takeaway is that he he played well enough where you can feel okay about starting Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, especially in this matchup. Uh, Minnesota down to 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. We know both are outside corners, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes. They've both struggled all season. Um, so I think Galladay especially is fine to keep in lineups. And Marvin Jones, sort of like he's been all year. He's that boom bust wide receiver three. He did have have that huge uh, four touchdown game against the Vikings back in week seven. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately,
0: Matthew Stafford is not going to be around for him this time. Right. And I'm, I'm not interested in Bo Scarborough in an offense that I don't think is that I think is going to be trailing pretty bad in this one.
1: Yeah, it's just a bad spot for someone like Scarborough, who, you know, he has 53 carries over the last three weeks, but he has zero catches on one target over that span. Um, you have the uh, Lions, big road underdogs here. So, you know, if game script gets away from Detroit, Scarborough is going to be on the sidelines.
0: Yeah. I mean, I will say if you have him, then, you know, he's usable. But Minnesota has looked more vulnerable on the ground than we thought they were going to be. Then they started out the year. Lately, they've been more vulnerable.
1: Yeah. I mean, Scarborough's down in. RB3 range. I would rather use Darius
0: Geis and Jamal Williams over him this week. Yeah, I agree with both of those. On the Vikings side, Kirk Cousins is a top six QB on our board this week. I think really he's number two or three. I wouldn't be surprised if he leads the position in fantasy points for the week. Detroit's the fourth best scoring matchup for quarterbacks by our adapted fantasy points allowed. And the Dalvin Cook situation with his shoulder injury adds some risk to the run game. Even if he's active, we don't know how much of a factor he'll be, how long he'll stay in, you know, how much they'll want to work him.
1: Yeah, I mean, great matchup for Cousins. I, I like him. I do think his ceiling might not be as high as le- you know. It's it's he, he had the 338 yard, four touchdown game against the Lions earlier this season. Matt Stafford played in that game though. The game finished 42 to 30. It was a shootout. I just I, I think with David Blau under center now, um, Cousins just isn't going to have to do as much. So I, I don't think his ceiling extends as high as we saw in that first game.
0: That's fair. No practice for Adam Thielen on Wednesday. It seemed like he was on track to return Monday night, but of course he got ruled out over the weekend. So we'll have to watch him this week. It's not promising when he starts out not practicing. If Thielen sits, Kyle Rudolph is a pretty easy starter again. Touchdowns in four straight, five of his past six. He caught five for 58 and a touchdown in that week seven win at Detroit.
1: Yeah, and that week seven game was the game that Thielen actually left early. It was, it was the, in the first quarter. Um, yeah, so Rudolph definitely a starter if Thielen's out. I, I would consider him still, even if Thielen's back, um, just because the matchup's so good. Lions 30th and Football Outsiders, tight end coverage rankings. And Rudolph's just, you know, he's, he's played well over the past month now. So I think he should stay involved regardless. I think it'd be Irv Smith who would be
0: out of the discussion if Thielen's back this week. I agree. And in that range where you're just hoping for a touchdown, Rudolph offers a lot more touchdown hope than a lot of the other guys in that range yeah for sure anything else from that game before we move on i mean we should talk about dalvin cook
1: it sounds like he's gonna play sounds like this injury is a matter of pain tolerance I, you know cook told reporters this week that he, he he's been told he can't make the injury worse by playing through it so if cook's active i think you have to start him especially in this spot big home favorites against a, a bad lions run defense I think Alex Madison, though, is in the mix as a running back three, even if Cook plays, because I think, you know, one, there's a chance Cook leads early again. Two, there's a chance the Vikings just limit him, especially in this game where they're likely to be playing with a big lead. So I think I kind of like Madison's chances to get like 10 plus carries in this game. So I think, again, in the matchup, I, I think he's someone you can consider as a running back three or a flex play.
0: I agree. I would play Alexander Madison over Darius Geis this week.
1: Yeah, that's that, that's close. I, I think they're right in the same mix. I think they're probably looking at about the same amount of volume.
0: Yeah, I think what we, what pushes me toward Madison is I think that there. I think Minnesota will control this game. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's Geis, I'm just hoping that he produces when he gets the ball. Where yeah. without trusting his offense, actually.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And Madison definitely has the higher ceiling because again, if something happens to Cook. Madison gets 15 or 20 carries, then he probably finishes the week as an RB1.
0: Denver at Houston. The Texans are nine and a half point favorites and a 41 and a half over under. Drew Locke, nice early touchdowns and a win over the Chargers in his debut, but ultimately only threw for 134 yards, 4.8 yards per pass attempt, so... I don't think we're expecting a whole lot from the pass offense here. I think you play Cortland Sutton and then nothing else.
1: Yeah, you play Cortland Sutton. Noah Fant is, it's funny, he's actually been impacted by the return of Jeff Heyerman. Um Hyreman actually out-targeted Fant five to three last week um fant snaps and routes run are down over the past two weeks with hireman back and it's a tough matchup against the texans who are second in adjusted fantasy points allowed two tight ends you know i i sort of thought fant was locked in as a as a tight end one the rest of the way a couple weeks ago but now i've sort of changed my mind and he fant someone i would try not to use this week we need chris berman
0: to call him like Jeff, can you take me, Hireman? <laughs> nice. Philip Lindsay, no more than a low RB two. I've wanted to make him more than that the past few weeks. It hasn't worked out, and I think the outlook is worse here. We've got a tougher run D than we've had the past couple weeks, and now they're nearly ten point road underdogs versus a high ceiling offense that has a better chance of you know making Denver fall way behind. Philip Lindsey's still an upside athlete. I, mm-hmm. I don't think we reached too far to get a replacement, and he has seen three. He's seen three targets in two straight games now. I'm just, I'm not excited about him at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, tough to get excited about Lindsey just because of this offense he's in. I think his, you know, touchdown upside is, is sort of capped. You know, he he has still been Denver's clear lead ball carrier. 30 carries over the last two weeks. First, just seven for Royce Freeman. Both Lindsey and Freeman have seen six targets. So they're sort of splitting the pass catching work. I will say the Texans run defense, especially since losing J.J. Watt, has sagged a bit. Um, Houston's allowing 5.2 yards per carry through running backs over their last four games. I think it's a decent spot for Lindsey. I still think you're going to get, you know, 15 or so touches. But again, I think the the upside's not quite exciting enough just in this offense.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't reach past him for somebody like Darius Geis or no. uh, Alexander Madison or even Jamal Williams. In PPR, I would start Austin Eckler over Philip Lindsey, though.
1: Um, yeah, I'd probably lean Eckler over Lindsay and PPR. But yeah, like with guys, that's what I was saying. I wouldn't I wouldn't bench someone like Lindsay who we can count on for 15 plus touches for guys
0: On the Houston side, you start the obvious. I think the decisions we have to make are on Will Fuller, yeah. Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson.
1: Yeah, I, I kinda wanna like Will Fuller this week. Assuming Chris Harris shadows DeAndre Hopkins, that's gonna leave Fuller with a good matchup on either Isaac Yodom or Will Parks, who are both outside the top 70 in PFFs coverage grades. Um, you know, Fuller has obviously been boom bust all season as usual, but I think there's a chance this is a boom week for him.
0: Yeah, I would keep him in low uh, wide receiver three territory. I would start him pretty easily over other similar boom bust guys like Marvin Jones, James Washington. Uh, yeah, me too. Denver's defense has been the seventh worst scoring matchup for running backs, according to our adjusted fantasy points allowed. But they missed Von Miller last week to a knee injury. He was limited Wednesday, so we'll see about his availability this time. The other outside starter, Malik Reid, missed practice on Wednesday with his own ankle and shoulder injuries. So we'll see about him. They lost defensive end Derek Wolf to IR for a, a dislocated left elbow. So, I mean, this is a run defense that could be softened by some player injuries heading into this matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the last two weeks, Denver's allowed 106 yards on 21 carries to Devin Singletary and then 99 yards on 20 carries to Melvin Gordon. So yeah, it does seem like they, they've they weakened a bit there. And Carlos Hyde, you know, we've talked about all season. He, he's he's the Texans guy when they're playing with the lead. You know, Houston, nine and a half point home favorites here. Hyde's average 17.6 carries per game in Texans wins. So I think you're going to get pretty good volume from him this game. And again, I think the matchup might not be as tough as it looks on paper.
0: One thing that scares me about Carlos Hyde, though, he has no carries inside the 10 yard line since week seven, and only two red zone carries among his past four games, according to pro football reference.
1: Is he losing carries to, to Duke or Deshaun Watson, or are they just not, you know, had those carries? Not to Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson <laughs>
0: only had two red zone carries over the same span and one inside the 10-yard line.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Hyde's still the guy when they get down there. It seems to me that they just haven't you know, had those carries in general
0: lately. Duke Johnson, meanwhile, playing time up a bit. He's seen 50-plus percent in three straight games. Before that span, he had not hit 50% in consecutive games over the first nine. I, I think Duke Johnson is a fringe option along the lines of uh, Geist, Jamal Williams, and, and Madison this week.
1: Yeah, I think I'd play all three of those guys over Duke Johnson. Unfortunately, I mean, I want to like him more, but Duke sort of had the opposite splits of Carlos Hyde. Um, in Texans wins, he's averaged just 5.8 carries, 3.3 targets per game.
0: His role has grown, though, even in victories lately. I think he's a, mm-hmm. a better bet to stay involved, even if they control this game, than he would have been earlier in the season. I, I would play him over Madison. I, I would have a tough time playing Duke Johnson over Darius Geis, though, after the week that we got from Geis last week. Yeah, I could see Duke Johnson over Madison in PPR. Baltimore at Buffalo. The Ravens are five-and-a-half-point road favorites, but nobody circles the wagons like the Bills. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, obvious. Mark Andrews probably has to start because you probably don't have a better bet, although I would not be surprised if Mike Jacecki outscores him. We'll talk about mm-hmm. him soon. Uh, and no Marquise Brown for me. No Marquise Brown.
1: Um, yeah, I think you're starting Mark Andrews unless you know you have – uh, like a Darren Waller or someone I'd play over from this week, but Andrew's Andrews' volume is down um four point eight targets per game over the last five after averaging seven point nine over the first seven weeks of the season. And the Bills are first in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So it's a it's a tough spot. I wouldn't expect a big game out of Mark Andrews, but you know he he does still sit inside
0: the top ten in our rankings this week. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Giseki when we get to yeah. that game. Yeah. On the Buffalo side, it's not a great matchup for Josh Allen, but the guy has been money. He's QB <laughs> five on the season, and his only bad fantasy outing so far it has been the game against New England, where yeah. he left early with a concussion. Even in that one, he had a rushing touchdown.
1: Right. Um. He finished quarterback twenty two that week, and you know th- this week I'd say is his. Second toughest matchup of the season behind only that Patriots game. Ravens third in football outsiders, pass defense rankings third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. If you start Allen, you got to, you know, hope he gets there rushing. And I do think there's a, a decent chance he does. So I, Allen definitely not a guy you have to bench, but I'd, I'd consider, you know, spot
0: start guys like Sam
1: Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick over him this week.
0: Well, I would definitely not start either of those guys over Josh Allen. I, I might consider Fitzpatrick. I could not do. Sam Darnold over Josh Allen. And we'll talk about Darnold next year. John Brown's still a wide receiver three. I think Devin Singletary's still a low running back two. He's seen 16, Mm -hmm. 23, 18 opportunities over his past three games. Caught three plus balls in five of the seven games that he has played that were not shortened by injury so far this season.
1: Yep, the the Bills have turned to Singletary as their clear lead back. He's played 70 plus percent of the snaps in three straight games now. And the Ravens are much more susceptible on the ground. Football Outsiders has them 25th in run defense. They're giving up 4.8 yards per carry to running backs over the last five games. So yeah, I, I do feel fine if you know you have Singletary as your RB2 this week.
0: I would probably play him over Philip Lindsay because I believe in the offense a little bit more. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, they're right in the same range. i probably lean singletary too.
0: cole beasley gets maybe the toughest individual coverage matchup of the receivers in this game gets marlon humphrey if marlon humphrey is good to go he he was limited by a thigh issue on wednesday so we'll see about that beasley's coming off two straight six catch games though and he's been he's gone over 70 receiving yards in three of his past four
1: yeah um and the ravens you know they've, they've been a neutral matchup to slot receivers this season um allowing the 17th most fantasy points to slot so you know i I don't know. I don't think you're going to get a ceiling game from Beasley again like we saw on Thanksgiving or even the week before that. You know, I just think this is going to be a lower scoring game, ladder running on both sides. But I, I think he's still in like the wide receiver
0: four discussion. Miami at the Jets. The Jets are five point favorites here. That's <laughs> down one from where it opened. And honestly, I think it's still too high. According to the Action Network, Dolphins have the seventh most action on their side, betting action on their side so far. I think Vegas is high with the Jets line, and I think it's also low with Miami's implied point total here. 20 points is what they're implying for the Dolphins. They have scored 20, 24, and 37 the past three weeks. They scored 20 and 21 in two meetings with the Bills, who are much better on defense than the Jets are overall. They scored 26 in their first meeting with the Jets, Miami's first win of the season. And they had their way last week with an Eagles defense that had been playing well.
1: Yeah, Fitzmagic, man. He's he's playing well. Um, Jamal Adams is likely out for the Jets in this game, which is a big injury. So yeah, I, I agree. I think the Dolphins' implied total is a bit too low. Um, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a spot start option this week. Um, he finishes a top eight fantasy quarterback in four of seven games since returning as Miami starter. And, you know, again, the matchup's not bad here. Even with Jamal Adams in that first meeting, Fitzpatrick went for 288 yards and three touchdowns.
0: Yeah. And Jamal Adams, not only a star safety, but he's also the best pass rusher that the jets have. Mm-hmm. So h- him being out helps in, in multiple areas. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick finishes top 12 this week. Wouldn't shock me. Devante Parker's automatic at this point, especially given the matchup. And I am even willing to jump on board with Mike Gisecki. finally, <laughs> Five straight weeks of six plus targets. Last meeting with the Jets, he had six catches for 95, and that was with Jamal Adams in the lineup.
1: Yeah, only eight tight ends have scored more fantasy points over the last month now. And like you said, Jamal Adams is New York's primary tight end coverage guy. So I think, you know, he gets the biggest boost with Adams out of this game.
0: So I would be a little scared to sit Mark Andrews because yeah. even with lower volume, he has four touchdowns over his past four games. And, you know, if, if he catches a touchdown on the first drive, you're going to be kicking yourself. I will say that Mike Jacecki enters this week with a higher floor, much higher floor than Andrews has.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, and I think I've been saying it all season, Andrews is someone I I just stick with in lineups. Just you know, the volume he's seeing and and how productive he's been. But I, I do think uh, Jasicki, probably the best
0: spot start option this week. It's close between him and Vance McDonald, who who we'll talk about here. It's Patrick versus Sam Darnold. Uh, honestly, it's an absolute toss up for me because. Almost regardless of matchup, either of these guys could go out and throw for three fifty and three, or they could throw for one eighty and three interceptions. Uh, you know, almost without explanation, I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick. It, it's probably subconscious. I just like Ryan Fitzpatrick more than Sam Darnold. That's probably why I would lean that way.
1: Yeah, and see, I, I lean Darnold because the Jets are at home and they have that higher implied total. But I, but I agree. I think both guys have pretty wide ranges of outcomes this week you know darnold that first game against miami 260 yards one touchdown finished quarterback 23 that that's pretty much when we all gave up on him then the next three weeks he finishes quarterback seven quarterback six quarterback three we're all back on board then he goes to you know and faces cincinnati last week finishes quarterback 29 you know if if you take away last week's game i think we'd all be a lot higher on darnold but you know i think that just reminds us of his floor but you know it you know Darnold is one of only two quarterbacks, Darnold and Brian Hoyer, who didn't throw multiple touchdowns against the Dolphins this season. So it's, it's still, you know, probably the best quarterback matchup. So um, I, I, I lean Darnold or Fitzpatrick, but I agree. I think they're both pretty solid spot start
0: options this week. And I will say the Dolphins do not match the Bengals in pass rush. They don't even come close. So uh, that's certainly one area where this matchup is significantly better than the Cincinnati one was. Right. Yep. Jameson Crowder disappointed last week, but he did get back up to nine targets. I think he's a fairly easy start this week. Eight catches for 83 and a touchdown in their last meeting. Yep, I agree. I'd go back to Crowder. Robbie Anderson's coming off two straight good outings. I think he's a fairly easy wide receiver three, just knowing that there is still target volume downside to him.
1: Yeah, I I always struggle with Robbie Anderson. I mean, he's he, he's in the Will Fuller bucket for me as the as the boom bust wide receiver three type. Um, you know, good matchup here, obviously. So I think you lean towards playing him, even though you know he did only have thirty three scoreless yards against the Dolphins earlier this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you believe in Sam Darnold's matchup here, I think that you the you have to. To some degree, at least, believe in Robbie Anderson's matchup, too. Yep, yeah, that's fair. Ryan Griffin's a starter if he's healthy. He missed practice Wednesday with an illness. Usually, guys that miss practice with illness make it back to play over the weekend. He had six catches for 50 yards among eight targets. In the first meeting, I do think that Giseki is a safer bet for targets between them.
1: Yeah, I prefer Jasecki uh, and Vance McDonald as spot start options over Ryan Griffin this week. But, you know, I think beyond
0: those two, Griffin Griffin's a, a, a fine play. Cincinnati at Cleveland. The Browns are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Apparently, Vegas didn't watch the Bengals last week <laughs> win their first game of the season. It's a 40-and-a-half-point over-under. It's down two from where it opened, so nobody's expecting a whole lot of offense here. Andy Dalton was decent in his return. He really should have had at least one more touchdown pass, though. There was a C.J. Uzama drop at the goal line. There was another that he could have completed in the end zone. There was also one other drive where Joe Mixon had a long run down inside the 10-yard line, and then it got called back because of an illegal block by one of the receivers. So... The, the Bengals had to settle for a long field goal on that one, so they could have had more points than they ended up scoring against the Jets. I think Dalton's a decent option this week against Cleveland, but there are just too many solid quarterback plays this week to actually make Dalton attractive.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, you, know, you have the low implied total for the Bengals. They're on the road. Um, the Browns defense up to 11th in Football Outsiders' past defense rankings. They've been quite a bit better since getting Denzel Ward back. Green Williams um, is questionable for this game with a concussion, so if he's out as Cleveland's number two, corner. That would boost Dalton's matchup a bit.
0: Tyler Boyd's automatic. I think Joe Mixon's a solid RB2 at this point. 18 and 19 carries in his past two weeks. 18 plus opportunities in five straight games.
1: Yes, and he set a season high. He set season highs last week with a 79% snap rate and a 58% route rate. His passing game usage definitely increased last week. I don't know if that was with Dalton back or what, but hopefully
0: that continues because that's sort of what's been missing from his profile this season. Woo-hoo. I'm trying not to use Auden Tate, though, with John Ross coming back from his injury.
1: Yeah, um, you know, Tate, Tate's averaged 8.4 targets per game in seven games with Andy Dalton, but the John Ross r- return definitely adds some risk to Auden Tate. And, you know, there wasn't a huge ceiling with him to begin with.
0: Yeah. Uh, That, that, that's the thing is I'm not worried about missing on something big by sitting on tape. You know, obviously anybody could just have the surprise game, but I I don't think the spot and John Ross, I've had a couple people ask about whether John Ross is a good pickup this week. I think he's a fine pickup basically just for a week 16 matchup with Miami, but I wouldn't drop anybody actually considering using to get him.
1: Yep, I'm with you there. You, you can't trust him this week in his first game back. We'll, we'll you know, keep an eye on his snaps and his targets, and then
0: he he could be an option for that Week 16 game. Yeah, and then in between they get New England, which you're not touching anybody there. Nope. On the Browns side, Baker Mayfield, it, it should be a great spot for him. It should be a QB1-type matchup. He just mm-hmm. can't get it together. He's had one strong outing all year, really, um, against the Dolphins. It's his only three-touchdown pass game of the year. He has just two other games where he threw two touchdown passes. He's a mid QB two here.
1: But that one game against Miami, that's the only bottom 10 quarterback defense he's faced all season. It, it really has been a brutal schedule for this Browns passing game. So, you know, this is Baker's second bottom 10 matchup of the season. So I, I do think he's a spot start option. I still prefer Darnold and Fitzpatrick, but you know if those guys aren't available, I think Baker makes some sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Nick Chubb Jarvis Landry automatic Odell Beckham is a starter it's kind of like Aaron Jones where he he's easily in starter range for me but I would knock him down wide receiver two territory a little bit basically behind um Parker Calvin Ridley Cortland Sutton
1: yeah I mean I can't argue too hard against those guys I'm just still going to bet on Odell Beckham um in this matchup against the Bengals you know Beckham again like Baker especially lately um just had a, a brutal schedule and then the one you know non-tough spot he had the 84 yards and a touchdown against Miami
0: who would you start if you had to choose between Odell Beckham and Tyler Boyd and PPR Beckham all right Kareem Hunt's opportunities 13 12 11 and 12 since he returned his receptions 7 6 2 and 5 he basically looks to me like James White with a higher floor but a lower ceiling
1: uh yeah James White with I think more rushing upside Um, man I, Hunt looked awesome in that game against the Steelers last week so especially in this spot as big favorites against the Bengals, if the game goes according to, you know, how, script and how Vegas thinks it's going to go, I think you could get, you know, 10 plus
0: carries out of Kareem Hunt here. I think Bengals win it by two. Oof. <laughs> That's not a legitimate prediction, <laughs> but I, I don't think, I, I really don't think this one's going to be a lopsided Browns win, honestly.
1: Yeah. I mean, nothing the Browns have done this season says
0: it should be. Exactly. Chargers at Jacksonville. The Chargers are three-point road favorites, Hmm. 43-point over-under here. Both Chargers running backs are starters against the league's worst run D, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. And the Jaguars are now also without starting middle linebacker Miles Jack. Football Outsiders also has them 25th in running back coverage, as well as 25th in tight end coverage. Basically, bad in coverage against every spot except number one wide receiver.
1: Oh, yeah, I'd be excited to use Melvin Gordon, even Austin Eckler here. You know, Eckler's still averaging eight carries per game over the last four with Melvin Gordon 5.8 targets over that stretch. Um, and in this matchup, uh, Jacksonville giving up 6.1 yards per carry through running backs over the last four games. So I think I think both guys should have big days.
0: Yeah, Austin Eckler is like a higher ceiling
1: Kareem Hunt. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would start Eckler over Hunt.
0: There's upside for Mike Williams as, as well as, you know, Keenan Allen's obviously a starter. There's mm-hmm. also the low, low target floor for Mike Williams, though. And I mean, Philip Rivers rebounded last week, but he's been... He was terrible a couple games before that, so mm-hmm. it's tough to like Mike Williams this week.
1: <laughs> Even last week in the first quarter, um, Tyrod Taylor started warming up, and it looked like he was <laughs> close to getting into that game. So you know, still concerned about Rivers. Definitely wouldn't use him. Um, yeah, Mike Williams' volume has bounced back a bit lately. It's thirteen targets over the last two games. Still, you know, still a massive candidate for for touchdown regression in his favor. Still, you know, hasn't scored. All season after scoring ten times last year, um, sort of a neutral matchup for Williams um, this week as as an outside wide receiver against the Jags.
0: I really hope that he stays quiet this week so that I can get him <laughs> at lower salary and lower ownership against the Vikings next week in DFS. Yeah, yeah I like it. As you said, not touching Philip Rivers did rebound some last week, but uh, was bad before that. And yeah. I mean, we have we've seen Philip Rivers put up some duds. In games where they traveled east to play early, it's worth noting that this is a 4.05 Eastern Time start, so it's one o'clock for a West Coast body as opposed to eleven a.m. at least.
1: Yeah, again, I I just I can't trust Rivers because I do think there is you know at least some possibility that he is benched. Um, and he, even last week, you know, he bounced back after that first quarter, but he still finished just quarterback seventeen on the week. He's he's finished outside the top sixteen
0: quarterbacks in five straight games now. Great week for Leonard Fournette, not so great for the wideouts. The Chargers have allowed the fourth-fewest wide receiver PPR points for the season, the fewest points per game to the position of any team over the past five weeks.
1: Yeah, I think DJ Chark's still a starter. Um, you know, he, he averaged eight targets per game in Gardner Minshew's eight starts this season, 23% target share. I do think Chris Conley, um, who saw just 14% of Minshew's targets this season, I think he's a guy you want to try to bench. Um, and then D.D. Westbrook, you know, I prefer him. Over Chris Conley, Westbrook actually averaged eight targets per game um, in his six healthy games with Gardner Minshew. So he's, I think, he's a better volume bet than Conley. But um, the Chargers have allowed the fifth fewest fantasy points to slot receivers, so it's a tough matchup for Didi. Yeah,
0: I think they're pretty. They're all pretty similar bets this week for volume because Chris Conley actually has the best individual matchup with um, the the Chargers are without yeah. Michael Davis, who's their normal starter on that side, and, and starting the guy who was starting out there early in the season. Brandon, facey son.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I get. I don't know. Casey Hayward isn't a guy I stay away from in fantasy. Maybe that's a mistake, but um, yeah, I, I definitely prefer Chark among these three.
0: Yeah, I would certainly start Chark among the three. Not, not a great spot for any of them. Here's the tough part, I think, about making decisions on wide receivers down in this range. If Chark sees seven or eight targets in this game and he only catches three of them, then that makes it the right call to lean towards somebody else. But if he happens to get a long touchdown, so his three catches go for 65 yards and a TD, (laughs) it looks like a bad call. So if we look back over his past seven games, Sharks had two games of more than 10 PPR points. They came in 12 and 15 target games. So if you think that he's going to get a bunch of targets in this game against the Chargers, then I think he becomes a solid play. If you think the Jaguars are going to fall way behind the Chargers like they did against the Colts mm-hmm. in that game, then he becomes a better play. I don't think either of those things is going to happen, though, so I don't like him at all this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I do think it's going to be more of a Leonard Frank game. I, I don't think the Chargers are going to race out to lead. I actually think the Jags have a good chance to win this game, and the Chargers are much worse against the run than the past. Football Outsiders has them 24th in run defense. Um, so yeah, I yeah I guess I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be a huge target game for Tark. Again, I just, you know, he's just been so good all season. I think even if he sees six targets, he could have a pretty solid game.
0: Possible. I think both defenses are are boom bust here. I'm not excited Mm -hmm. about either one, but you could have either one work out for you.
1: Yeah, I I agree there. I think, you know, both these quarterbacks
0: um, provide some upside to the opposing defenses. Probably would have been more upside with Nick Foles than Gardner (laughs) Minshew. Yeah, probably. Pittsburgh at Arizona the Steelers are two and a half point road favorites it's a great spot for Devlin Hodges but he's Devlin Hodges so I'm gonna have to save that for DFS and if I'm actually looking for a waiver wire quarterback it's gonna be Kyle Allen or Ryan Fitzpatrick
1: yeah I'm with you I wouldn't use Hodges he played well last week though I did the fantasy visions for that game so I watched it back um he he impressed me and then Uh, PFF had him fourth in passing grades among quarterbacks on the week. So, you know, they were impressed with his game too. The the note here though, is that Pittsburgh went 48% pass only in that game against the Browns. You know, they were obviously trying to protect Hodges a bit, not have him do too much. So even in this matchup against Arizona, um, you know, it's a bad pass defense, but I still don't think you're going to get huge volume from Hodges.
0: Right, it's a bad pasty, and you know maybe that means a two fifty and two day for Devin yeah. Hodges, which would be nice. But I don't think Pittsburgh wants him to do any more than that.
1: Yeah, and again, just in this week there are quite a few better spot start options, so I don't think you're
0: going to have to use Hodges. Yeah, I think the matchup puts uh, the wide receivers into view. Mm-hmm. Juju Smith-Schuster was still out Wednesday with his knee issue, though. Deontay Johnson's fallen mm-hmm. short of thirty yards in three straight games, and four of his past five. James Washington, though, been a big play hero lately. James Washington's uh, PPR wide receiver seven over the last five weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the you know the Cardinals obviously twenty eighth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receiver, so it's a good matchup. I think I think Washington is definitely in play as a wide receiver three.
0: I think he's worth playing over, probably worth playing over somebody like AJ Brown and like Tyrell Williams down that range.
1: Um, Yeah, I'd play Washington over both those guys. Um, I think I think Washington's in the Will Fuller range for me. I'd probably lean Fuller, but they're they're pretty similar. I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would probably go fuller over James Washington. Uh, And Vance McDonald, of course, is the name that you have to talk about because of the matchup with the Cardinals. Tyler Higbee last week led all tight ends in fantasy scoring. It was the sixth time this season that a tight end finished top 2 against the Cardinals, four other tight ends have finished top 10, four straight now have finished top 7 against the Cardinals. Vance McDonald becomes a solid starter because of that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's been working all year so I think you stick with it. If there's a concern with Vance, it's that he's seen just four targets in Devon Hodges two starts, a 10% target share, but it's also a small sample size and you know we it definitely seems like teams realize the Cardinals can't cover tight ends and are featuring their tight ends against them. So hopefully the Steelers make the same move as long as Vance gets decent volume. He should have a nice game here.
0: Yeah, I want to say like only maybe only the Bengals have not capitalized on that. Even the Saints, they were missing Jared Cook for their matchup and Josh Hill was tight end 17 (laughs) that week. Yeah, right. What do you like on the Cardinals side? Not a whole
1: lot, honestly. I mean, I think Kyler Murray, if if last week didn't happen, we'd probably feel okay about him because he had the two nice games against um, San Francisco, which is you know, obviously a tougher matchup even than Pittsburgh. But Kyler, last week, season lows in quarterback rating and pro football focus passing grade, actually finished dead last on the week among quarterbacks in PFF grade I'm not sure if the hamstring thing that popped up on Friday was a concern I you know again I watched I watched a lot of that game and it di- didn't didn't seem like it was you know he still ran for 28 yards and
0: a score but uh, I
1: think I think he's he's tough to trust after what we saw last week coupled with this matchup
0: I would guess that it wasn't too much injury based because he's not on the injury report at all this week you you know practiced Wednesday and as he said he looked mobile he just couldn't get it going that game was an aberration compared with pretty much everything else this season so he's back in consideration I agree that that performance plus the way the Pittsburgh D has been playing Mm -hmm. at least keeps Murray like just on the fringes of starter consideration rather than inside the top 12.
1: Yeah I'd use um, a lot of these spot starters we've talked about I'd use Darnold Fitzpatrick I'd, I'd use Baker Mayfield
0: over Kyler Murray this week I definitely agree with Donald and Fitzpatrick. I would have a tough time with Baker, but I can't say that it's the wrong move either. Yep. Anything else from there? Um, not
1: really. Uh, Kenny and Drake remained the Cardinals lead back last week, even with Chase Edmonds back. Chase Edmonds actually didn't play a single snap in that game. David Johnson played just 23% of the snaps. Kenny and Drake was up at 80%. So th- the matchup is tough. Steelers fourth um, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But I-, I think that volume keeps Drake in play as a running
0: back too. Yeah, I agree with that. I would I would have him behind Devin Singletary. Probably behind Phillip Lindsey, but right in the same yeah. range of those guys and ahead of the other guys that we're just hoping for upside from. Yep, agreed. Tennessee at Oakland. The Titans are three-point road favorites, and that's up a half point from where it opened. Derrick Henry's obvious at this point. Ryan Tannehill's getting close to obvious. <laughs> Top seven in fantasy points since he became a starter. Also sixth in PFF passing grades over that span. So he he's doing it in numbers-wise and doing it performance-wise. He's also working on an unsustainable touchdown rate, unsustainable yardage rate and three rushing scores so there's some regression coming that doesn't necessarily mean that he's just gonna like uh, deflate this week
1: yeah I was I I think there's regression coming but it might not come this week in this matchup the Raiders 28th against the pass according to football outsiders they're 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. so I, I haven't looked at the Titans schedule I know I think Tannehill has a couple more good matchups after this week but um i I think for at least at least one more week um you can continue to to use him as a quarterback one,
0: yeah, and i mean Oakland's not only not scary on defense but they're coming off two horrible performances it's like team wide so I don't know what's going on with them, whether they get a bounce-back game where they're fired yeah. up or whether that team is just kind of wearing down.
1: Yeah, it's you know I, I do kind of expect the Raiders to bounce back, and I think I'd pick them to win this game at home. Um, you know, th- But that, that doesn't scare me off of Tannehill. It might actually help, honestly, if mm-hmm. this game stays competitive. Maybe even the Titans are playing from behind. That would boost Tannehill's volume a bit.
0: Yeah, because if they're winning, he's going to throw it 20 times. Maybe if they're losing, he can yeah. get to 30 or 32. Exactly. And yeah, for Titans matchups, they have the Texans next week at home in Tennessee. So that's a solid spot. Then they're at home against the Saints. So I think whether Tannehill is a week 16 option is going to depend a lot on how these next two weeks go. Yep, agreed. A.J. Brown, to me, he's James Washington. He's a boom bust, mm-hmm. low target volume guy. He has a more proven quarterback than James Washington, but also not quite as good a matchup.
1: Yeah, I think I prefer Washington among the two. A.J. Brown, he's, he's emerged as the Titans' number one wide receiver. He's actually outsnapped Corey Davis in three of their last four games. Um, A.J. Brown averaging 5.2 targets per game in Ryan Tannehill's start. So, you know, that's that that's a kind of a scary number. He's kind of lived off the big plays. Um, he, someone I, I wouldn't go out of my way to use, but, you know, he, he's at least he's, – he's, he's a talented guy, um, so he, he can do damage on that limited volume.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, I say that I would play – I say that the matchup's better for James Washington, but James Washington should get – the Patrick Peterson shadow in that game, which could yeah. kind of play things in favor of A.J. Brown here.
1: Yeah, I, I sort of don't expect Peterson to shadow either Washington or Deontay Johnson in that game. I mean, Washington, I think we'll see some of Peterson. But, yeah, you know, we, we've talked about Peterson too. He hasn't been the same
0: guy mm-hmm. this season as he has in previous years. Yeah, I guess that's not really a shadow situation at this yeah. point. Yep, Jonu Smith's target volume tanked the past two weeks, two total over the past two games. Playing time still there, though. Upside matchup. He does have a shot if you're reaching for tight end value this week. There there's also upside in case the Raiders do bounce back, score some points this game, limit the Titans running game a little bit, but it's tough to like get up for Johnny Smith right now.
1: Yeah, just those two targets over the last two games and Anthony Ferkser and Nicole Pruitt have combined for five. So you know, it's it's sort of been a tight end by committee almost. So all all these other spot start tight end options we've talked about, I would use easily over Johnny Smith this week.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Derek Carr, it should be a decent spot for him, but he has shown almost no upside over the past four weeks, and he really, he just doesn't have the ceiling to make it worth chasing him here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, quarterback 28 and quarterback 24 finishes for Carr over the last two weeks, he, he's really not playing well. Again, I I do think it's a potential bounce back spot for the Raiders, and you know the, the matchup's fine. Tennessee actually much worse against the pass than the run, but yeah, it, Carter's doesn't have the upside. You know we, we know the Raiders want to be a run-first offense when they can be.
0: Right. If I'm looking with hopeful eyes down in that range of the quarterback rankings, I'm taking Kyle Allen against the Falcons.
1: I can't even argue with that. And I don't even like Kyle Allen.
0: <laughs> Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Automatic, Tyro Williams. Mention him with James Washington and A.J. Brown. I would choose Washington or Brown over them because yeah. all three of those guys have the low target volume thing. Tyro Williams doesn't have the recent production that James Washington or A.J. Brown do.
1: Yeah, just four point six targets per game for Tyrell Williams over the past five. Now, um, the Titans too have done a good job limiting big plays, which is you know sort of Tyrell's bread and butter. Tennessee's allowed the eleventh fewest completions of forty plus yards this season. So don't don't love the spot. I agree. I'd, I'd play AJ Brown and James Washington over Tyrell.
0: I'm kind of tempted to play Derek Carr, Tyrell Williams stack in a DFS lineup though.
1: Yeah, give me Darren Waller. I think I think it's a big Waller game here. I could see it. Anything else from that one? Uh, did you see josh jacobs is playing through a fractured shoulder yes I didn't know that was a thing <laughs> what a beast but uh, but uh, his his usage and production really has not changed since that injury so you know sort of shrug
0: your shoulders and just keep starting them you don't shrug them too hard though you <laughs> can't kansas city at new england the patriots are three point home favorites a so forty eight and a half point over under and really i mean that's high of, compared to others this week mm-hmm. but Last year, this game would have been like a 56-point over-under.
1: Yeah, and I think the over-under this year makes sense, though. You know, The Patriots are much better on defense, and this Chiefs offense really hasn't been the same all season, and it definitely hasn't been the same over the past few weeks now.
0: Yeah, Patrick Mahomes blew up at Tennessee in his return from the knee injury, but he fell short of 60% completions, fell short of 190 passing yards each of the past two games. Those were against the Chargers in Mexico City, back home against the Raiders, I would not feel great about Mahomes as my quarterback this week, yeah. but at the same time, after watching what Deshaun Watson did on Sunday night against the Patriots, it'd be scary to sit Patrick Mahomes for a streamer, too.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sitting Mahomes for any of those spot start options we've talked about. He torched the Pats last year in their two meetings, uh, 647 yards and seven passing touchdowns in those two games, averaged 9.7 yards per attempt. You know, this year's Pats pass defense is quite a bit better. So I'm not expecting a big game for Mahomes, but I, I think I
0: think he'll do enough where he's not going to hurt your fantasy team. I agree. I don't think that I could pick up a, a streamer to play over him. If I have both Mahomes and Kirk Cousins on my mm-hmm. roster, I'll play Kirk Cousins over Mahomes because I think he's safer this week, but I'm not reaching for a replacement.
1: Yeah, that that that's a tough one for me. I don't even know if I could sit uh, Mahomes for Cousins. Takes, it takes daring at this time <laughs> of year, Jared. It does, it does. I just don't want to be the guy who, you know, benches Mahomes and loses because of it.
0: Yeah, see, when you're, I mean, if you say the names, then it it, it seems like a scary move to do. But if you look at the numbers, then it's going to be easy to justify, even if it doesn't work out, because Kirk Cousins has been money. I mean, he's been awesome for a while in fantasy. So really, you're taking the safer route if you cover up the names here, and without even really giving up any upside.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm telling you, if it was Matt Stafford under center for the Lions, I'd feel a lot better about Cousins. I'm just worried about, you know, a couple of rushing scores early in that
0: game, and then Cousins just doesn't have to do anything. He's going to be playing anyway. <laughs> He'll be out um, right. we'll, we'll move on from that decision because I doubt that there are too many facing <laughs> that specific decision. In the backfield for Kansas City, Daryl Williams headed to IR this week. Damian Williams is still not practicing on Wednesday because of his rib injury. So it looks like it's going to be LaShawn McCoy and Darwin Thompson in that backfield. And Andy Reid said this week that he knows he can't overwork McCoy okay. at his age. McCoy's going to be the, the top guy. I think it's a little too late in the year for me to feel good about giving Darwin Thompson a shot.
1: Yeah, so so with McCoy, like you said, Reed sort of said, he knows he's he's older. He has to manage him all season and he's definitely done that. McCoy hasn't t- topped 14 touches in a game all season. So even with Daryl Williams out, Damon Williams likely out, I don't think you're going to get, you know, 20 touches out of McCoy. In this game, I do still think he's the best option in the Chiefs backfield. And I think, you know, he's like a lower end RB two. Darvin Thompson. I'd feel better about if the Chiefs hadn't just signed Spencer Ware. And I know Ware hasn't played at all this season. You know, he's been he's been on the street for the past couple months. But he does know this Chiefs offense and he has, you know, been decently productive when he's gotten a chance. I, I just I worry about Ware stealing, you know, even three or four of the touches that we thought Darvin Thompson might get behind McCoy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're scrounging for a running back, then sure, there's upside to the spot and upside to the player. But I I would not go after Thompson with any excitement this week. Yep, agreed. Tom Brady and his pass offense stunk for most of last week's game against Houston. And then, you know, all of a sudden, by the end, had these huge passing numbers. I would try not to use Tom Brady this week. Julian Edelman's automatic. And I know you want to talk about Sonny Michelle.
1: Yeah, I um, agree on Brady. You know, he, he's really been bad for the past four games now. 55% completion rate, 5.8 yards per attempt over his last four. And the Chiefs are, are sixth in Football Outsiders' pass defense ranking, So not a good matchup for Brady. The Patriots, in the two games last year against the Chiefs, they went run heavy. They ran the ball on 51% other snaps. It definitely makes sense for them to do the same here. You know This Chiefs run defense just as bad, if not worse, than last year's version. And in those two games last year, Michelle... 24 carries 106 yards and two touchdowns 29 carries 113 yards and two touchdowns so I know Michelle has been disappointing for most of the season but he's someone
0: I'd be looking to get into lineups this week yeah I agree with that Uh, and even across formats James White also solid in PPR really beyond those guys I'm not too interested in anything New England here nope uh, the two running backs and Julian Edelman is about it yeah The Patriots' defense, I do think the the Chiefs are always going to be a scary matchup whenever Patrick Mahomes is there. But I think they've shown enough vulnerability that I wouldn't go reaching over the Patriots to get a replacement this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it would depend on what's available on your waiver wire, but I I definitely wouldn't drop the Patriots if if you, you know, if you'd have to drop them to use someone else this week, I would just, I would just hang on to New England and use them.
0: I'd probably have New England really up. I I mean, I, I, I wouldn't reach past like the Packers or Eagles to get somebody to play over the Patriots this week. I don't think. Yeah, that, that's, that's fair. Seattle at the Rams on Sunday night, the Rams are a one point home favorite, and that's a big move after yeah. Seattle opened as a two and a half point favorite. Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, both already delivered fantasy points in this matchup. When they faced each other in Seattle earlier this year, the Rams would prefer to run more than they did in that one. I think that lowers the floor and the ceiling for Goff, but You know, coming off the game he had last week and the game he had in the first meeting with Seattle, he's a a starting option.
1: Yeah, these Rams-Seahawks games have been shootouts over the past two seasons now. Um, 59, 67, and 64 total points in their last three meetings. So I I do like this game in general. Goff has been so matchup dependent all season. This is just sort of a neutral matchup. The Seahawks are 15th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Two quarterbacks, you know, so it's neutral matchup. You have Goff at home. He went for 395 yards against the Seahawks earlier this season, just one touchdown in that game, but um, 8.1 yards per attempt. So he he played decently. So I I think Goff is a lower end quarterback one this week.
0: Yeah, I agree. Seattle's not a, a defense that worries you at all as a pass D matchup. It does seem like they've improved a bit as the season has gone on on that side. They've gotten healthier in the pass rush. So. As you said, I think Goff is in the the bottom range of QB1. An option if you have him, not somebody that I'm fired up for. I would not expect a repeat of what he did last week, um, but certainly on the map. I think all the obvious wide receivers are in play, and really I I don't see a whole lot as far as sneaky wide receiver options in this game. No, the
1: the one thing I wish I knew the answer to is what Jalen Ramsey is going to do for the Rams this week as far as is he going to go inside to cover Tyler Lockett because Ramsey did move inside against the Steelers to cover Juju Smith Schuster back in week ten. Um and you know, everyone I follow who does this stuff and you know who, who knows more than I do about cornerback wide receiver matchups thinks Ramsey's gonna move inside and cover Lockett. I sort of think he's gonna cover Metcalf though. I think just this, the size matchup is better. Um the the Rams other two corners, Nikal Roby Coleman, he goes he's 5'8", and then Troy Hill is five eleven. So if they put one of those guys on Metcalf, that's a mismatch. So I kind of think that Ramsey covers Metcalf in this game. So I I think it's a big bounce back spot for Tyler
0: Lockett. I would have to bet too that Ramsey stays outside because I think Nickel Roby Coleman is is a solid slot corner. I would think that they they would consider him a a, a fine matchup for the smaller, quicker Tyler Lockett inside and Jalen Ramsey capable of locking up the stiffer DK Metcalf outside. Yeah, that, that's my
1: thought too, but I think you know, we're probably not going to know until kickoff. Um, I think the other guy, again, we've mentioned him on the Seahawks side, Jacob Hollister, um, averaging six targets per game over the last six, and he, he's had, he has six plus targets in four of those six games, so he's been a pretty steady volume bet. Um, matchup's not great against the Rams, they're 11th against tight ends, but um, you know that volume, especially from Russell Wilson, I think makes Hollister a decent option.
0: Yeah, I think Hollister's in play. I would I would take Tyler Higby over him because yeah. if G- Gerald Everett remains out, he didn't practice on Wednesday. Because I do think the Rams' defense is tougher overall, and it is Football Outsiders rates the Rams better than the Seahawks against tight ends and coverage.
1: Yeah, and um, the Seahawks are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. I think the matchup. It's quite a bit better for Tyler Higby. Higby and Everett, by the way, combined for 183 yards in that first meeting against Seattle. So, you know, it it seems like the Rams kind of came into that game
0: looking to attack that part of the Seahawks defense. Giants at Philadelphia on Monday night. The Eagles are 10-point home favorites, which is up (laughs) one and a half from where it opened despite losing at Miami last week, despite losing three straight games. So that tells you what you need to know about the Giants. Eli Manning is likely going to play in this game according to his coach. I don't think it really changes a whole lot either up or down, other than maybe taking away some of the sack upside because what we know about Eli Manning (laughs) is he will do anything to avoid taking a sack, whether it be throwing a football straight up in the air, flinging it with his left hand. He does not want to be (laughs) sacked.
1: Yeah, so you're not using Eli. The one guy I think it might hurt is Darius Slayton, who um, just just, sort of seemed to have a rapport With Daniel Jones this season. Um, Slayton didn't even play in those first two weeks with Eli Manning. So, you know, they they have no reps together in in live game action. So I I think it downgrades Slayton. I think Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard are are both fine, like wide receiver three plays.
0: I think you forget that Darius Slayton exists this week. I think (laughs) that I, I would love to be able to not use Golden Tate. Or Sterling Shepard this week, but I mean Tate is certainly a a fine, an okay wide receiver three for PPR.
1: Yeah, I liked Slayton before the Daniel Jones news because you know the Eagles have struggled against outside corners, Um, so it's worth noting for Golden Tate, who you know has been the Giants' primary slot guy. The Eagles have actually allowed the fewest fantasy points to slot receivers over the last eight weeks. So it's a better matchup for
0: Sterling Shepard this week. Not chasing any Giants. I love the Philly defense, even though it let you down against Miami last week. I think that Miami's offense is better than the Giants offense right now. And before that, Philly had held four straight opponents to 17 points or fewer. Yep, Eagles had a great defensive play this week. Carson Wentz, a fine low QB1 because of the matchup. I would still feel better about Ryan Tannehill, and I would play Josh Allen over Carson Wentz if I were making that decision. Ooh,
1: I, I like Wentz over Allen for sure. Um, T- Tannehill's close. I think, you know, they're. they're- two of the better spot start options around him. Maybe Wentz doesn't qualify as a spot setter anymore. Wentz had the big game last week. I know it was Miami, but I also think it's worth noting that he got Alshon Jeffrey back, Nelson Aguilar back, Lane Johnson, his right tackle return for that game. So the Eagles have gotten healthier on offense. Um, Good matchup, like you said, against the Giants. The Eagles also have the second highest implied total on the week.
0: I would play Carson Wentz over Jared Goff, Matt Ryan. Sam Arnold is, is close and I would play him over Kyler Murray.
1: Yep, I like Wentz over all those guys,
0: including Darnold. Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, pretty easy plays. Dallas Goddard is still in play, but he didn't play quite as much last week, right?
1: Right. Um, With Jeffrey and Aguilar back last week, um, Goddard had his lowest snap count and route route rate since um, week three. Still saw seven targets in that game, so, you know, when he was out there, he was getting looks, but I do think if his playing time is going to remain down with the wide receivers healthy, you know it, it makes him a riskier fantasy bet.
0: Yeah, and they're not likely to be trailing the way that they were last week either. So right. sure that helped his, his target count. Miles Sanders is a low RB two. He's never as strong a play though as you think he is. <laughs>
1: I, I don't know what you have against Miles Sanders. I mean, he's his production's what I have against him. I mean, he produced nicely last week. Yep, he's pl- he's playing eighty five plus percent of the snaps in each of these last three games. Like not there's. Only a handful of running backs you can say that about.
0: Last week was the first time all year that he has gotten more than thirteen carries or fifteen touches. So I mean if he could play Miami again, great. Awesome. Outside of Miami, no thanks.
1: Well the season log numbers are irrelevant when you're talking about games Jordan Howard was was
0: playing. I'm talking about all numbers, even including the Jordan Howard list games. Last week was the yeah. first time that he got like running back one level. I mean touch-
1: he's averaging thirteen point three carries and four point seven targets in the Three games, Howard has missed. So, you know that's eighteen opportunities a game. That's
0: not that's not strong though. Ebs, that, that's top fifteen, I'm sure. I doubt it, but I don't have the numbers in front yeah. of me. So I guess in this, in this running back uh, time. Yeah, in this economy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's a fine low RB too. So I'm not even arguing him into a different strategy. Yeah. Here, but I think that he, I, I think that he has no business sitting ahead of Devontae Freeman and somebody's running back plans this week. Yeah. I mean, would you start Sanders or like uh, Devin Singletary or Philip Lindsay? So if it's, if we're talking PPR, I would play Sanders over Philip Lindsay for sure. Sanders versus Devin Singletary would be tough. I, I'm i not sure, honestly, which way I would go. I think it's a toss up between those two guys.
1: I mean, I mean, to me, he's a guy, again, playing basically every snap. I think he's talented. He's you know, on a team that's a
0: big home favorite with a big implied total. So
1: that's just the type of running back I like to play.
0: Yeah, I would probably ultimately wind up leaning toward Miles Sanders, but I feel better about counting on Devin Singletary getting touches. The Giants are also up to eleventh in yeah. run defense DVOA, so they're not they're they're not a strong defense overall, but they're definitely not a pushover on the ground.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair.
0: All right, anything else from that game? No. That's going to do it for this week 14 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com now to check our full week 14 rankings along with the usual set of weekly features to help you make your toughest lineup decisions this week. We'll be back tomorrow for the DFS shows after taking Thanksgiving week off amid some technical difficulties. Remember, rate and review us on iTunes. Email us a snapshot of your rating and your review. We will set you up with DS insider access through the end of the season as well as the NFL playoffs. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at SchaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.